Hey everyone, are you looking to diversify your investments with real estate? Well, you're not alone. Plenty of investors choose real estate as a vehicle for investing, not only because you can achieve passive income, but because of the amazing tax benefits that can come from it. In this video, Gio and Joyle, both CPAs and founders of Gojo Accountants, are going to be giving us a deep dive into the top five major tax benefits real estate has to offer. Let's jump right into it. Let's welcome Gio and Joyle to the Analytics Ariel channel. Welcome, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Super excited to be able to talk tax benefits today. But before we get into that, could you give us a little bit of an overview of who you are and how Gojo Accountants started? So we're a virtual CPA firm, and we don't have any physical location. We're completely paperless. Um, Pretty much what we do is we focus on individual business tax preparation and tax planning, in addition to business consulting and accounting services. And so what we do is we look to provide that suite of services for uh, our clients at the individual and small business level. Awesome. And where are you both based out of? We're both based out of New Jersey right now, but I think for me, I'm based out of Woodbridge specifically in New Jersey itself. Uh, I'll let Gio answer his a little more complicated question. Yeah, so I'm originally based out of East Brunswick, New Jersey, but currently I live remotely in an RV, so I'm kind of wherever in the United States. So a part of the reason why we have a virtual business is kind of to support that flexibility and that type of work style that people are looking forward, you know, looking forward to going forward. Yeah, very cool. Can't wait to touch upon that a little bit more too in our next video. But let's get right into it now and Love to hear some of the tax benefits for real estate. And I know you also have a ranking as to which ones you see to be top priority versus lower priority. So if you'd like to just jump in, that would be great. Sure. So uh, I w- what I tell my clients, you know, our clients with when it comes to real estate taxation is the biggest benefit that the government provides to real estate investors is tax depreciation. Uh, tax depreciation, it's this idea that you can take a percentage of the total cost, upfront cost of the property that you pay, you know, whenever you, you undertake a mortgage and the down payment, all those costs, and you can take a percentage of that annually as a deduction. If it's a business property, usually that is based on a 27.5 year period. But if it's a personal residential property, that would be based on a 39 year period. And so what's great about that deduction is that there's no cash out of the investor's pocket, really. It's, it's just a tax law. So that percentage really is just non-cash, which actually increases your, your bottom line from a business perspective and not just from a tax perspective. And so that's something that, you know, you have to have the right filings done. And it's really important to work with a CPA or someone who has experience with that because that could be a significant amount of money thousands to tens of thousands in tax deductions that, you know, go wasted if not utilized in each year. So that's, that would say that's the most important tax deduction. Um, So does that start with the sale price of the property? And then that sale price that you had 27 years on, uh, that's like divided into and depreciated? Yeah. So if you're looking at a commercial property, it would be 27 and a half years, and it would just be the sale price, right? Like, 
you know, if it's a million dollars and you, even if you only put down 20%, you can still take that million fair market value at the sales price and take a percentage off of that every year. And then for residential properties like homes, apartments, condos, that type of thing, it would be 39 years. Oh, wow. That's awesome. So even after you probably have like paid off the property, if you're on like 30 year mortgage, you could still do depreciation. Exactly. Exactly. So that's why we always recommend to our clients, Hey, use this, you know, it's, it's going to really save a lot. And if you look at the long-term picture, right, if you end up holding that property for, let's say 40 years, you're looking at substantial tax savings over the life of that property that could go, you know, totally unused if not done properly. So, you know, that's something that we really, you know, strive to strive to emphasize with our clients. Definitely. The one thing I would add to that, just to kind of say that the one thing is if you do rent, you know, buy more uh, real estate and then you rent it out, you have income coming in, right? And a lot of the folks, they try to do where you have a long-term mortgage plan where your rental income is bigger than your mortgage itself, payment that's going out, which is kind of a great cash flow to have. But considering the tax payment you'll have to make on that, considering it's an income coming into your play, this specific expense comes in very handy to kind of reduce that income so your tax liability essentially goes down than what you would initially have to pay if you didn't, um, if you didn't depreciate. Right. So say if your cash flow was maybe like 10 grand for the year, but then you're using the appreciation aspect, then you're not going to be taxed in the full 10 grand, perhaps. Exactly. Exactly. Awesome. And then what is a benefit of using a CPA that makes it harder for an individual on their own to file for deductions like this? Yeah. So this type of calculation is not intuitive at all. Um, when people look at taxes, we notice that they'll look at kind of, oh, you know, my tax rate is 20% and my income for the year is 100000 So my tax is going to be 20000 But it's not really that straightforward. The IRS, the tax system, it's on a progressive tax system. So it's not really that straightforward. It's actually like a completely different rate based on deductions and other types of income, how it's treated. And so with this type of deduction, um, it's incredibly unintuitive. Because you're you're looking at you have to look at what the property is, so the characterization of that property, and you have to do an analysis with that, and also making sure that you're using the right numbers to actually calculate depreciation. That's something a CPA is has experience with and does commonly in their profession, whatever practice that they that they do. So it's it's something that you know having that experience and kind of having that repetition. It's something a CPA would have rather than an individual who's just kind of walking into this for the first time. And it, it's going to be confusing because you have additional forms and it's going to be hard really to comply if you're walking into a blind. So that's why we we would recommend working with a CPA or someone who has experience with it for sure. Yeah, yeah, that especially as you continue to get more properties, it's probably even more and more imperative to have a CPA. And when should, what step do you start talking to uh, like, a firm like you guys? Is it before you start purchasing real estate or as you've already accumulated your first property? It's always good if you want to, from a planning perspective, just kind of coming in early and having that conversation with us, more than happy to kind of do it. The most ideal time that I would say is when you're initially going through the process and making sure as soon as your property is kind of purchased and you have kind of established what you need to establish from a, from a point of sale perspective. The reason I'm saying that is because as you just mentioned a few different things in terms of the calculation, I'm sure you've kind of done this. When you buy a property, you essentially get a closing disclosure that kind of 
you know, really breaks down the cost of your property in terms of the various different things. And you could look at it like, oh, I have a total cost of the property and then I divide it by 39, you know, just a number and kind of maybe I can just do this. I don't need a CPA. But the key thing is there are certain things in the closing disclosure that you can include as part of the cost and certain things you can't. So it's very important for an individual to kind of have that conversation with us as they're purchasing it, because having that, you know, closing disclosure right away in year one, when you've made the purchase, understanding what is the best way to kind of plan for the year, what is the income looking like and how can we, what can be depreciated, how much that's going to look like. And should we, you know, consider making, you know, any changes in terms of, um, you know, modifications to the property, you know, uh, upgrades and things like that. And how should you plan that over the next year or two? Can this wait, should this wait? you know, based on from a tax planning perspective can be very useful from our experience. So that's the one thing I would definitely kind of want to call out from a timing perspective. Gotcha. Yeah, that really helps. And sorry, not to derail you, uh, Gia, but what would be the next benefit for tax benefits for real estate? Okay. So the second one is something known as the active active participant exclusion. And so this, if you're a real estate investor and your income in this case, specifically adjusted gross income uh, is between a, uh, is no more than one hundred and fifty thousand dollars a year. If you're a single filer, um, you can deduct up to twenty five thousand dollars on any rental losses throughout the year against your other income. And so, I'll give an example. Let's say I personally own rental property in Florida, and um, I own three properties, and each property generated a loss of five thousand. So it would be 5,000 times three equals $15,000 in net rental losses. The, as long as my total income, so my income from my W-2, my income from a side hustle, my income from other items or like awards, prizes, anything like that, as long as that doesn't exceed 150000 I'll be able to take at least a percentage of that loss up to the total loss of 15000 against my other income. And so that's really important because... Ariel, as you know, and Joel, as you know as well, when you're when you're a property owner, you incur a lot of costs. And if you're looking to rent that property out, you're probably not going to turn a profit in your first year, possibly not even in your second year. And so having as long as you are an active participant, which means that you for a hundred hours out of the total year, we're working on the property, like acting as a landlord, you know, cleaning up the area, collecting rent, um, doing maintenance work, that type of thing. If you do 100 hours of that, you'll qualify for this active uh, participant exclusion. So then that 20,000, that 15,000 in my example would act as like another tax deduction. So that's a really great tax benefit because you're you're saving money just by building up your investment, just by preparing your, your investment, and actually looking to, to cash out on that investment down the road, you're realizing tax benefits up front. So that's something that a lot of people don't know about and you could take advantage of it and you can save tens of thousands in a single year. So that's something that we also like to recommend to our clients. Yeah, I actually had no idea about that. So that's really awesome. Because just like you said, usually that first year you don't turn a profit, especially if you're doing fixes and such. So can you still be an active um, participant if you have a property manager in place? Since I guess you're technically not the one making all of the phone calls on behalf of the tenant, it's a property manager instead. Yeah, because in that case, that would be like a mad, I guess that's a management fee. So that would be a deductible Mm -hmm. expense. But then as long as you're, you're functioning with the property in some sort of active way. So let's say, you know, you're the owner of the property and you 
go and you communicate with clients like a, or you're like your um your rentees for um for like 200 hours out of the year like that counts as a function and that would as long as you log it and document it you'll be able to take that expense in that case awesome yeah that really helps so not just um like it also helps with your own personal taxes as well oh 100% yeah and it's something that you see a lot like a, tons of people who are in real estate investments, they have passive losses and they're just generating these losses, but they have the full intention of keeping the property long-term. So might as well take advantage of those savings whenever you can. So this is a really key one for sure. Yeah, exactly. Is there any cap there? So say if you're managing a property and maybe the whole year of 2020, they didn't, the tenants couldn't pay because of COVID reasons. Would you be able to deduct like that whole amount or is there a cap there? Um, yeah, so you would, there is a cap there. So if you're an active participant, the cap would be 20,000. Um, but I'm 25,000, sorry. But if you were, um, let's say this is a little going off track, but let's say instead of just being an active participant, you are a material participant. So a material participant means that you are like extremely involved. So if you are a property manager, I mean, the, I guess the assumption would be that you are materially involved in the property, uh, you would be able to deduct more of those losses. So it's really just about what type of real estate investor are you? Are you more of a passive investor? Are you kind of have your feet in it a little bit, like dipping your toes in terms of the operations? Or are you dealing with the day to day every single day and it's consuming a lot of your life? That actually kind of follows with how much you can deduct. So it's kind of those Got three it. different levels. Yeah. Okay, so it's not even just about the type of property that you might have for real estate, but also type of investor that you are too, that would potentially change the tax deductions that could be made. Exactly. Awesome. So what would be the next benefit for real estate? Okay, the next benefit for real estate, I would say is if you are a real estate investor and you are generating a lot of income and you're living off of the income that you that you're getting from from renting um that income is not going to necessarily be treated as like regular salary income so when we pay when we get a salary or we're uh, a contractor we have to pay what's known as self-employment tax and that's 15.3 percent of your total gross income up to 120,000 or so, so dollars and so when you are a, when you have a rental business or you're just looking to rent individually the government doesn't see that income as like self-employed income. It sees it as passive income. So you're not that income is not subject to that 15.3% of extra tax. And just to give some clarification, the self-employment tax is it's like your social security tax, it's your share of of, you know, of Medicare and Medicaid. So it's those types of taxes that we would always see coming out of our paycheck. You don't have to pay those when you're dealing with this type of property and this type of investing. So it's something just to note, hey, it might behoove you to do this over the long term and, and do real estate investing from a tax perspective because you're going to be saving 15.3% versus let's say if you just started a sole proprietorship and you did a different type of business. So it's something from a tax planning perspective that's pretty substantial. Yeah, that's really huge. And I didn't know about that. So say if my fire number was like 10,000 cash flow a month, it may even need to be less because I won't be taxed as much 
because of its uh, rental property. Exactly. Yeah, you'd have to compare that number to what that number would be if if you had just non-rental property or non-rental income versus rental income, and you would see the the savings would be substantial over a long period of time. Would you say that a lot of maybe investors or those that you work with um, like are aware of this type of tax benefit, or you feel like a lot of the public doesn't really know? The public it? doesn't know. Yeah. <laughs> There are people who have like multiple properties and they've kind of already kind of figured out the process and gone through a couple of rounds, I would say. Like they are more familiar with it. I think definitely on the younger side, as people are kind of starting to jump into it, going through the first initial set of property or two, like, yeah, I would definitely say people aren't aware of it. And it's kind of important to know because it could kind of really help you increase those savings for the next property that you're trying to buy. Yeah, definitely. Is that some thoughts that you've had, Joel? Since I know, I think you have a investment property, right? Yeah, I do. I did currently just buy one recently, and my goal is to obviously buy one probably next year. Uh, a lot of different things kind of going up from a variable perspective on my personal life to kind of figure that out. But yeah, definitely the goal is to kind of maximize the tax benefit to kind of increase the savings to see what we can do next. Um, there are obviously like more kind of real estate agents and have the more hacks in terms of kind of finding the appropriate properties. And yeah, yeah. the current market is a bit crazy, but it's just kind of finding the opportunity when it arises and just being ready for it. And that's kind of always the goal for it, but that's the plan for the next year or so. Nice. Exactly <laughs> <laughs> how it goes for the current market situation. Yeah. The market is very uh, tough right now, yeah. but in terms of, yeah, tax benefits so far, we've covered uh, the depreciation aspect, um, the aspect of being able to re- deduct from your own self taxes, and then this current one, which is being able to have less taxes deducted if you're using rental property income as passive income. Um, so what would be the fourth one, Gio? Uh, the fourth one would be uh, the long-term capital gains tax rate. And so uh, the IRS allows individuals who hold investment property for at least 366 days and, and then once they sell to take advantage of a lower preferential tax rate versus uh, an ordinary tax rate. So for example, if your, tax, your total taxable income is $100,000, um, you would be in the if you're a single, you would be in the 24% tax bracket or maybe 32% tax bracket. I'll have to look, but one of those two, but your long-term capital gains rate, if you were to sell a real estate property that you own for at least 366 days, so let's say in this case, two years, you sell that total gain, the difference between what you sell the property for and then what you purchased it um, would be taxed at 15% rather than being in that 24 or 32% tax bracket. And so that's something that's really important, I feel like, for real estate investors, because usually real estate investors have a very long-term horizon. And so it has to be, ba- when you're doing that analysis and you're looking at, okay, what's the total cost of holding this property? You actually have to factor in a lower tax rate than what you normally would take, because you'd be taking the preferential tax rate. And so that tax savings is something to consider actually when doing an analysis on making an investment. And it's substantial. I mean, we're talking about possible difference in 15 to 10%. So between the ordinary rate and the long-term capital gains rate. And so that's something that just 
I feel real estate investors that we have worked with, they love hearing that because they know that when they sell, they're not going to be hit as hard as they originally thought because they didn't know about that rule. So I would say that's a big benefit. Yeah, it's saving thousands and thousands of dollars. And yeah. it can make a big difference if you're going to acquire a certain deal or not. Yeah. Yeah. In the current environment, it makes a big impact because just because we're just talking about the market as well, in terms of prices increases like crazy, right? People think about, oh, I have this property and you know the price has increased by like 10 or 20K. I should sell it now and make the 20K in pocket and you know, take it in pocket. But they would only consider like, you know, the cold, you know, the closing costs and kind of all the money they spent in terms of what they're gonna make. And then you see, oh, cool, I'm gonna make like, you know, 10K. But what you're not understanding is because now if you sold the property within less than a year, you're getting almost hit by 24% in taxes because you have a short term and you have your regular income coming in for 100K. So, or if it's more, if, you, if your regular income from other areas, W2, 1099 is even more, like your percentage is even higher than that. So you're not really making as much money off of that deal by doing what you're doing. But I'm not saying it's a bad, and bad thing to do. Sometimes that might be the best play considering the market, but it's something you just have to consider as part of your costs when you're making those sales and when you're making those purchases. Yeah, 100%, which I've seen a lot of people not consider. So they just see like the price difference and they think, oh, yeah. I'm going to just take the whole 20K if we get the tax part, also paying the agents. And then now you're going into a market that's super hot. So you're going to be purchasing like very expensive yeah. property. So yeah, it comes exactly. a wash at times. <laughs> it does. Awesome. So Gio, what would be the final um, tax benefit for real estate investors to be aware of? So this one I would say is the least impactful, but still important and is easily overlooked. And Joel touched on it earlier. It's the closing disclosure deductions. And so on the closing disclosure, whenever you you know you finally close on whatever you're looking to purchase, you'll see that there's a ton of items on that, an itemized list of you know points paid, interested interest items paid, um, you know payments to the agent. Yeah, exactly. So there's a whole list of things, and certain items on there are actually tax deductible up front. And then certain items are not. So it's kind of going through that analysis of figuring out which ones are deductible and which ones aren't. And um, most people don't even like look at that closing disclosure or even think of it because it's so overwhelming. And then tax time comes and they don't even remember like where it was and don't even report those items. And they can add up to like $10,000 in some cases, maybe even more. So it's a considerable amount. And that gets deducted on your personal tax return. So um, it's important to take advantage of because you can deduct those costs against your other income if you, ha- if you have the active participant um, exclusion qualification. Um, so that, that's, that's the least important, but I still think it's very important. But yeah, that pretty much concludes the list. Yeah, it's excellent. Terrific benefits. And of course, always important to save all the documents, including closing disclosure. So it's easy to give off to you when doing taxes. So where can people find you if they want to be able to use Gojo accountants for their real estate investing business? Yeah, so you can find us at gojoaccountants.com. We have a section there just listing our services, um, requesting time for a free consultation to discuss your situation, uh, and an area for FAQs too. So pretty much all our resources are there. But you can also find us on Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn. And 
Yeah. And we can also send out our contact information as well with you, Ariel. Yes. And I'll leave that in the comments for the show notes. Thank you so much, Gio and Joel. Really appreciate it. Of course. Thanks, Ariel.